Welcome to Calling a City to Life, a podcast by Queen's Park Baptist Church in Glasgow. Each week you'll hear from us two episodes, the talk and the chat. First up is the talk, and that's the audio version of this week's sermon as preached at Queen's Park Baptist. So this is your opportunity to listen to it again or to listen to it for the first time. And later on in the week, you'll be able to tune in again and download the chat where we gather around and discuss in a bit more detail some of the issues and themes raised in this week's talk. Thank you for tuning in to the talk. We hope you enjoy it. And we look forward to you tuning in again later in the week. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you here. If, um, if you've not been welcomed, let me welcome you. It's good to have you here. For those of you who are joining online, you're very welcome. And those of you at whatever time in the future you are listening to this on the podcast, you're welcome in the future as well. I want to, just for today to look at a particular passage um, that just speaks, I think, to the moment that we find ourselves in. You'll find that uh, passage in 2 Timothy, book of 2 Timothy and uh, verse, uh, sorry, chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 6. You'll find these words familiar. God's already been speaking them into our gathering today. 2 Timothy 6, sorry, 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about the Lord, or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And all of this, sorry, and of this gospel I was appointed, a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Amen. Well, this message is a bit of a double header with last week. And so I want just to remind you very briefly of my contention that some of you actually even agreed with last week. That is that we find ourselves in a safety first seatbelt culture. That we lead and we live often from a place of caution, not of courage. And I want to suggest that for all of us, because we live in this kind of environment, we can very easily find that we take on board the spirit of timidity, a spirit of fear, fear of stepping out and doing something different, fear of speaking out and saying something different. 
But I want to begin this morning by highlighting one phrase that comes from this text that we read. God, verse 7, did not give us a spirit of fear. Fear is not a gift of God. It's not one of the spiritual gifts. It's not one of the natural abilities that God places within us. God did not give us a spirit of fear. Some of the commentators, at least the commentators that I read, and I haven't read all of them, but those that I read say that when, when spirit is mentioned here, it is the Holy Spirit. God did not deposit the Holy Spirit in us to generate fear. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. In fact, the Holy Spirit liberates us to be courageous. The Holy Spirit puts courage into us. And so even what follows in this message is not intended to induce fear. And I suspect that any sermon that induces fear probably doesn't originate for the most part in the Holy Spirit. This message is not intended to scare you, but to strengthen you. You see, the Word of God does not come to clobber us and turn us into quivering, hesitant, guilt-ridden wrecks. But the Word of God and the Spirit of God comes to set us free, comes to liberate us from the dominion of doom and death and to deliver us into the promises of God. So when God's word comes to us, it is to remind us that he is at work in the world, that he is bringing people old and young, rich and poor from the ends of the earth to come and name the name of Jesus, to praise him and what he has done, to celebrate Christ for all he has done for us. As Josh said at the beginning, God comes to make worshipers out of rebels. He is turning the nations to his praise. He's making worshipers from all peoples. And that is God's passion. It's what God in Christ gave himself for. It's why the cross happened. It's why Christ raised in power, conquering death, is at work. This is his passion. And Jesus says it in Luke chapter 12. Here's a great verse for you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not. God's pleasure, his delight and intent is to give you the kingdom. My new friend, Edwin Friedman, who I quoted last week, and I'll not be quoting in the next few weeks, so this is a last chance. His book is called A Failure of Nerve. And it basically says that we modern people in the West need to reignite the spirit of adventure. Amen. Well, we're with Charmaine on that one. <laughs> and he talks about this illustration of the great adventurers of old, people like uh, Columbus, who sailed across the great oceans and across the horizon, not knowing if they would ever get back. Some of us are worried about getting back from work at night, never mind getting back from the ends of the earth. 
unsure if when they got to the equator they would fall off the end of the earth. And yet, these are people of adventure. And so here we are this morning with a word that is brought to a leader called Timothy. A leader who has become weary in well-doing. A leader who needs to be reignited with what God has done for him. To step into what God has deposited in his life and live it out in his ministry. And uh, we understand that this letter appeared in his inbox something after AD 64. AD 64 was a time of intense persecution for the church, the brutal persecution when Nero literally torched Christians. I mean, torched, set alight. If you're thinking of a hostile culture, of a kind of aggressive community, this is probably it. And Christians were kind of dialing down their profile. Well, you would, wouldn't you? If you thought that that might happen to you. You certainly probably did not want to become lion fodder in a Roman stadium in those days. Last week we had Daniel who survived the lion's den, but many Christians in Rome did not. Paul speaks to Timothy and he says, don't be scared, Timothy. Don't be scared, people. Invite all the nations to praise God. And he does that by saying three things that I'm going to mention this morning about courage in a challenging culture. How can we have courage in these days? The first thing that is spoken into Timothy's life is that his calling would be called out. Call out your calling. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. I remind you to rekindle God's gift that you possess through the laying on of my hands. And Paul is referring Timothy here to a specific moment and a specific gift that was conferred upon him for his ministry. He was being prayed for that he might be anointed and enabled of God's spirit to serve in a particular place and way. And if you think about this for a moment, then you will perhaps remember or recall moments when God deposited something within you. A moment in your life where Hands perhaps were laid upon you, and the power of God touched you. I fully believe that for those of us who are here, that we can remember those moments. Maybe an indisputable moment where God spoke directly to your heart and mind, and you remember it, and you think, yes, God spoke to me on that particular moment. Or maybe you can think of an instant when the Spirit filled you and raised you up with a real flood of assurance that you belong to God and every condemnation was gone. Maybe you remember a moment when a spiritual oppression or a psychological hang-up was broken over your life. We're being told here, as Timothy is being told, fan that gift into flame. Stir it up, recall it, and live by faith out of it. I stand here today only because something like that happened in my life. That's the only reason I'm actually here. And when I stand on this platform every Sunday, 
I am choosing to fan into flame something that God has done for me. For me, and this is just so that you feel okay, for me, it's a totally weird, off-the-charts act of God. And my ministry of over 30 years is based on one weird event. And it happened in a wet January night in the east end of Glasgow. I was a ministry student. I was uh, preparing for ministry, but I was a really terrible speaker. I don't mean I didn't have the words to say, but when I said words, when I spoke, preached, the words fell like they fell to the ground in front of me. They just didn't have any energy, power, or authority. I had no spiritual authority that I could imagine, and I was struggling. And as we were praying, a gentleman got up, came to me, and he said, I see something on your tongue. Now, this is where it gets weird, so brace yourself. He began to pray for me, and I began to retch. I began to gag. And as I did so, it was as if something lifted up out of the guts of my being physically, out my throat and off my tongue. It was a complete liberation a deliverance of something that was restricting and sitting on my tongue and my speaking. In five minutes of prayer, everything changed for me. Something completely lifted. Now, that didn't mean I could just kind of give up on reading the Bible and practicing and all of that kind of stuff. I needed to tend the flame. I needed to tend the flame every week, every Sunday. Last night and this morning, I need to tend the flame. I'm not standing in front of you because I can boast in some natural ability. I'm only here because of a supernatural act of God. And I believe that for every one of us, there have been supernatural acts of God that he would like and love to fan into flame. It might not be as dramatic as that for you. And I have to confess, most of my days are not in that kind of dramatic leave, uh, league. But also I believe that God has done that for us as a church. God has deposited things in this Christian community over many, many years. Things that were really hard to receive. Things that we struggled to integrate. Wonderful gifts that just kind of happened overnight and which we didn't really have to do very much about and things that were really hard to do. We have a deposit. We have an inheritance that God has placed in us. People have come to know Jesus in this church community. People have experienced the power of the Spirit and started ministries from being in this community. And so we as individuals, and we as a people, I want to call to fan into flame the gifts that we have been given. Do not deny, reject, or overlook what God has done in your life and in the life of this fellowship. Fan it into flame. The second thing that brought courage to Timothy was a confidence that he had in Christ's work. And uh, we read just about this in verse, in verse 8. 
Don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord, but join me in suffering for the gospel, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Why can we have confidence in a hostile world? We can have confidence because God has already acted. He's already worked in grace. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So here's the thing. Whatever life throws at you, and life will throw some pretty horrendous things our way, whatever comes our way, God's grace is sufficient for us for anything we encounter. All the resources that you need for life and for godliness are already deposited in your account. What God has done for us is available to us. We need to appropriate it by faith. We need to trust in it. We need to stand on it. We need to remind ourselves of the truth of it. But God has already acted and worked on our behalf in Christ Jesus. God has stepped into the fray of this world. He's mired himself in the mess that we experience. He's made himself liable for sin and death and evil. Not only has he placed himself in our place, but he has already rendered death defeated. And he has delivered all who place their trust in him from the consequences of death and sin and brought us home to his embrace and his loving life. God is at work. God has achieved everything that needs to be achieved in this world. And he is at work to enable us and to empower us with his message. You see, the message of what God has done is not something that we take and then we have to... uh, persuasively communicate it by by articulate words or by becoming a convincing debater. See, the message of the gospel already has power. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, says Paul, because it is the power of God for the salvation of whoever believes. You see, you have and we have within us the most powerful dynamic that exists in this world and we need to step into that and trust that God is transforming us that we have a story to tell a message of transformation and when you come in this morning you were given a slip of paper and on that paper we asked you to do two things we asked you to to place a, a message which said what you were like Before Jesus, that might have been before Jesus this week. It might have been just something that you were struggling with this week, or it could be something way, way back. And then the other side of that piece of paper, you were to write something that God had done. I'm going to just take a couple of minutes just for you to do that. You might want to do it now. Just get the bit of paper out and uh, write on it where you were at and what God has done. And then we're going to just respond, and we're going to shout some of these things out. So make sure what you write down is not going to be of such a nature that you can't speak it out. It just needs to be a one word, two words. We're going to try and say this together. Okay, how are we doing? 
see I'm not a teacher. I'd be giving you more time if I was a proper teacher. And I'm going to do a one, two, three. And then we're all going to shout out where we were at before. And then I'm going to do another one, two, three. And we're going to testify to what God has done. Does that make sense? Okay, two of us understand what's going on. The rest of us are concentrating very hard. And as we do this, we're just saying thanks to God for his power at work in our lives. We're saying thanks to God for the way his good news is transformative, changes us from the inside out. Okay, we ready? Ready? Okay, let's give it a go. So I'm going to do one, two, three, say what it was like beforehand, and I'll do a one, two, three, and you're going to shout out what it's like now or afterwards, okay? One, two, three, stressed. One, two, three, freedom. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the way in which you are at work in our lives and for your power to transform and to change us. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us a story, a story of change and transformation that is our stories. And we pray, Lord, you would just help us to share that with other people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well done. So we stand on what God has done. We put our confidence in the work of Christ. And then the third thing that brings courage is as we make the message visible. Verse 10, but now made visible through the appearing. So now the message of Christ is made visible through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. For this gospel, I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. Jesus made the good news of life and friendship with God visible. Jesus is God revealed to us. And Jesus on the cross makes the way to life visible to us. And we, like Paul, have this task of pointing to that message, of making that message well known and his work known. We are called to invite the peoples to praise him. We are called to send out that message. And because this is the beginning of a new session, a new season, and um, we have a particular vision, one of the tasks that we normally do at this time of year is just to remind you a little bit of the focus of that vision and of what we're about. Our vision is to call our city, the city of Glasgow, to life in Christ. Of course, we're very happy if you want to call any other cities to life, if you want to call any villages to life, families, but it just helps us to see that our focus is on the city around us. We do that as we pursue encounter with God. We believe in the transformative presence of God with us. Sometimes that's in the tough places, sometimes that's in the glorious and wonderful places. Sometimes it's when we gather together and we seek his presence, believing that when he is with us, he touches us and transforms us. But it's also as we encourage one another in relationships. And we want to be a community where we are building relationships. We believe that people are transformed and people grow and are supported as we bind ourselves together in relationship. 
And then thirdly, it's about engaging in bold outreach. You've got to be bold in these days if we are to connect with our communities. And we want to encourage one another to engage in the world around about us. Last week, I reminded us all that we are like Daniel. We've been placed in strategic locations. But this week, I want us to lead you through some of the things that might support us as we engage in strategic places. And some of the things we're going to be doing in these next few months that I hope will be helpful to all of us as we seek to invite people from this uh, city to praise him, to invite the people to praise him. And uh, we've attached some stuff to the MailChimp this week, and I think there's some uh, leaflets available as well uh, after the service that you can just use to have to remind you of some of the things that are going on, to stick things in your diary so that you're not surprised when they happen. So, first of all, I want to just tell you a little bit about some of the outreach things that are happening in the life of the church. We have the amazing Alpha Course. Yeah, you're allowed to cheer. Um, beginning on uh, the 4th of October, 7 p.m. And we'd love you to begin to think about who you might invite to Alpha. I have to say we've got a great team. We always have a great team. And this team is a great team. And they are eager and they're experienced and they're ready to go. So they will uh, handle any friend that you have that you would like to bring along with real grace. And of course, you know that the content of Alpha is just brilliant. If you're not bringing somebody, we'd love you to pray for Alpha. You can pray for Alpha. Well, you can pray for Alpha anywhere you like. You can pray for Alpha in your life group. You can pray for Alpha in your kitchen. You can pray for Alpha. But pray for Alpha, please. If you are someone who has just recently become a Christian, then Alpha is a really great way of fanning into flame what God has done in your life. So please think about that if you, are, uh, if you have someone that you think would be interested in exploring Christian faith or if you're very new to the Christian faith and wanting to get things kicked off. You'll hear a little bit more about this. No, you're going to hear a lot more about this because um, we're going to have an Alpha Sunday. We've got a special guest coming on the 17th of September. That's two weeks' time, and all things Alpha will be happening on that uh, Sunday. On the other hand, you may not be quite there, and you may have friends who are not yet ready to sign up for a, a number of weeks to explore Christian faith. And I want to just tell you about a couple of things that we are planning. We have over the years run these, we call them transforming nights, and they tend to be a, a night that you can invite friends along to work colleagues. They're theme nights on a particular uh, cultural issue that is uh, present in, a, in the world around about us. Um, and so uh, this year on the 24th of October, we're going to do something on science and faith. Uh, and then after that, we will be, and sorry, I should really say, we've got an astrophysicist coming. Okay, that excites, see, there's, there's a certain scientific geek kind of community, and they're already excited about that. Um, but we're going to have Professor David Wilkinson um, from Durham University with us uh, for that. Now, that's going to be a perfect event if you've got curious friends, people, curious friends, that sounds really strange, doesn't it? People who are curious about Jesus or curious about science, yeah, it'd be good to have those along. Um, so that's the 24th of October. We also, um, in very, um, a kind of scoop of news, just kind of um, this weekend, we have secured the editor of Question Time, 
Some of you will know what question time is. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, he's going to be coming along as well. We're going to do a night on truth in the world around about us, post-truth and uh, society. So that's happening. Christmas is also coming. Don't want to get totally into that, but we will have a whole bunch of uh, events. We're planning Christmas Cayley and some services. But do you know what? One of the best things you can do is just simply to get stuck in, get stuck into a life group where you can get some support. See Brody, um, if you're not already in a life group and you'd like to join up, um, you can email him or speak to him. I think he even accepts formal letters written with quill and ink. So anyway, just get in touch with Brody. There's other things going on. There's a gathering on a Thursday if you're free during the day. Some prayer and worship nights that are going to be happening as well. I could go on, but this, to be honest, is not really about activities. It's really about our heart attitude. It's about fanning into flame what God gives to us, that we might be people who call out to the folks around about us the wonderful invitation to know and to love and to worship Jesus. Our Father in heaven is calling the world to worship, inviting people to be drawn up into the circle of his love, Father, Son, and Spirit. God gave his Son, his only Son, to make a way into life. God is seeking worshipers. He's inviting the nations. He's inviting people to know him and to worship him. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's Calling a City to Life talk. We hope that you enjoyed it and that you'll join us again later in the week for the chat. Speak to you again soon. Goodbye.